from Courtside the Virtual Hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast, episode number 382. Andrew with you once again, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew MLSC on Twitter. My co-host is Derek, you know him in the forum as Deeper3, and he is Deeper384 on Twitter. Happy to be here again. Uh, Andrew, I'm feeling so refreshed. Refreshed? I have had so many games recently with the NLSC community, with people from the NLSC community using Parsec, actually getting on the sticks and playing against, uh, you know, people from the NLSC on various different games from, you know, past and present. And it's just really, really fun. And it's just been a really good week of gaming, uh, the last couple of weeks of gaming, actually. Um, but, you know, between connecting with you and playing NBA Live 10, uh, connecting with Sticky Fingers today, and we played a game of NBA 2K19 using the 93-94 roster mod, playing with Stildo using the 19, um, Stildo 33 using the 2K19 retro rosters, um, Hornets on Fire as well, who's part of the our roster making team for NBA 2K19, uh, King J Mace uh, playing games with him. As well, I played NBA Street against him. We played with him as the host. Uh, we played some NBA 2K21, etc. I'm just Simon Lee, who um, is who mods NBA 2K16 and NBA 2K17, and he's a forum member as well. We we got a full game in of NBA 2K17 using my UCTR mod. It's just it's really refreshing to actually get on the sticks with these people. You know, the community's really taken to Parsec, much as we have, because we've talked about this, it's, it's been our recurring, uh, not recurrent revenue, re- recurrent fun, to use uh, refer back to last week's episode title, that we've had so much fun with Parsec on, on Live 10, a, f- a few other games, but we're, we're still trying to get some other uh, more up-to-date games to work, and we have some ideas there, which we'll be trying in the near future, but yeah, we, or you, you've spearheaded this initiative and you've thrown it out there to the community, and and people are really taking to it, and they're they're finding out the joy that we've had uh, playing head to head with somebody you know, not having to worry about a random opponent, the toxicity that comes from that. We've talked about that on many occasions before, how that's a problem, uh, not a problem with head to head play like this. And and people are really taking to Parsec, and it's been cool to see, and I love seeing the highlights uh, that uh, that you've been putting out there. It is wild. It's it's just wild to the difference between playing the computer. Or like you said, playing somebody toxic. But more importantly, these people, a lot of these people who are doing these mods and whatnot, they're playing mods. They're using mods, so they're playing against the computer with them, right? They're not playing against another human. But the difference between playing against the computer and another human being is just night and day. Really? Because a human is going to give you, you're going to have a lot more fun playing against a human. A human is going to give you an entirely different experience um, as an opponent, Uh you know, playing against them and whatnot. And it's just so refreshing. It's like playing, I know we're not local, you know, like Sticky Fingers when we played today, he wasn't in the room with me. Um, But, you know, it's human versus human gameplay and it doesn't get any better. It was just, it was was a really fun game today. I think what, what I also enjoy about it and we've talked about this in our games, how it's it's always sporting, of course, how it's a very realistic style of play. We're not looking to cheese. Uh, we, we are looking to play with the players as they as they play, whether they be retro or, or current or whatever. And, and it seems that other people share that philosophy, and it's really cool that, that it's uh, that we've you've been able to meet and connect with people in the community that share that philosophy, and we're just wanting to play good, clean, 
uh, virtual basketball and, and a realistic style, it uh, it shows that that's that's not dead, and it may show why a lot of people have shied away from the online scene, as popular as it is. There are people that want that style of play, that realistic style of play, and we talked last week about how realistic stats aren't always king, and how it's it's not about oh you know if if I need the bucket and I've got the drive, I'm not going to pull up and and take the shot just because I've dunked too much in this game. You, you play to win, you compete, but it's still overall realistic and. Clearly, a lot of people are interested in that, and it's it's great to see. And maybe it's because we're in that older demographic and connecting with other people in that same demographic. But it's nice to know those people are still there playing basketball games. Well, a few things. One, the rosters absolutely help. When, when you're using custom rosters and there's special attention to detail on the players and the players play properly, you can't go out there with Rory Sparrow and score like 50 points, right? You can't do it in the game because his abilities aren't good enough in the game. So you have to go to people, um, you know, you have to go to the Mitch Richmonds. Uh, if you're using the Warriors, you've got to go to the Latrell Sprewells a little bit more, etc. So if you have a good roster, it can make you, if you really want to compete, um, it can make you have to play a little bit more realistically, right? Post up the players who are strong in the post. Um, go to the mismatches, all of that stuff. So that is definitely key. As far as demographics, i got to say... Um, a few of the people that I've connected with on Parsec are, I want to say, in their early 20s. So they're oh, really? not te- technically the demographic. Yeah. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah. So, and I'm just so impressed with everybody I've played against. I got to be completely honest with you with the way they play, um, you know, from Simon Lee all the way to Hornets on Fire to Stildo 33. Um, all the ages that I've played with, I'm just so impressed. They're, you know, some run plays more than others, but they all play very sound defense overall. They're all, um, you know, they're using players to strengths. They're just really fun games with good players that I've had. And it's just, it's just so refreshing. And, you know, the other piece I wanted to point out again, too, is the difference between playing the computer and another human. When you play the computer, they can often get predictable, and they can do so many stupid things. Like, they can not make the pass to the wide-open person on the fast break for the layup. They can make extra passes that are pointless that shouldn't even be there. They can stand completely wide, wide open and not shoot. They'll just stand there, and then they'll just run the play that's supposed to be run, etc. And defensively, you can exploit them more often, all of that stuff. When you play a human... They're hitting that person on the fast break, right? They're making decisions that the computer otherwise is not going to make, and it makes the the experience is just so much better. But, yeah, I did want to say that for anybody listening to this podcast. Every single player that I've played with, from Simon Lee to Stildo to, um, to Sticky Fingers to Hornets on Fire to you, Andrew, um, I'm just it's, – it's, you, you guys are all great. And yeah. it's just been awesome to play against every single one of you. Yeah, no, it's great, and obviously I enjoy getting on there. Uh, I did have a moment of frustration, as I did sometimes do. I had that yesterday when things weren't working out. Uh, we, we did get, get it working again, which was uh, which was nice. You mentioned CPU gameplay, and look, I, I've played against the CPU a lot over the years, obviously being a, a Dynasty guy, and that's the way I've played, or, or various franchise modes, uh, playing against the CPU, or, or cooperatively uh, with my cousin against the CPU, and we're just dominating the CPU, you know, dominating the computer. But... I did play a game of NBA Live 10 on 360 uh, last night, 
and it was the uh, we've, we've obviously been doing the retro teams of and <laughs> so many ideas to go through there and I, I played the 2007 Knicks versus 2007 Bulls which is probably more of a game that just for me to play um you know <laughs> asking you to take control of the 2007 Knicks is um <laughs> that's a big ask um my apologies to uh, to Mike MP3 for uh, ragging on his Knicks there but uh, I'm sure he can agree that wasn't the best <laughs> The best year for them, unfortunately. I, I did play against the CPU, and it was a fun game. I recorded the whole game. I was actually uh, on the exercise bike, getting my uh, cardio in yesterday, playing that game. So, uh, as you know, um, Action, and, and Bandicamp for that matter, will do uh, can record off an Elgato. It will record off a capture device. And normally, I would use that to do the, the time shift, to just get the little 15-second clips or 10-second clips, as you do. But uh, because I was on the bike, I just said, oh, I'll just use the Elgato uh, software and record the whole game so i recorded the whole game got that uh four point play with uh with ben gordon to start the game which was really cool uh, almost missed the free throw because i was trying to compensate for lag that wasn't there <laughs> playing on the console instead of parsec but it was a really satisfying game i uh, love getting those highlights from just recording the whole game to uh, to have for posterity and or just to break it up into some highlights i haven't quite decided what i'll do with that yet but but certainly yes i did notice that to get back to the uh, the whole cpu point is that it was doing things that that you wouldn't do, and it was a less competitive game because of that. And if you can crank the the sliders up and change the sliders and change the difficulty level, but then it just gets cheesy. Whereas with you, it's uh, strategic when when we compete. But no, it, it was still fun to play. But you definitely notice that difference going back to a CPU game of Live Ten after all the co uh, competitive games we've played. Rather, that there are times when I thought, well, if Derek was controlling the Knicks at the moment. Uh, he would be really overachieving with them. He would be just driving with Marbury, he'd be driving with uh, with Francis, and uh, and just punishing me with Crawford. Crawford did come off the bench and and played uh, pretty well for, uh, in the hands of the AI. But at the same time, uh, you would have really overachieved with those Knicks. But the CPU was a little outmatched. But it was still a very fun game to play. Well, a couple of things. One, I, that's not torture for me. I love that Knicks team. I don't care if it didn't work out uh they have a great video that's a great video game team true a lot of guys that can iso and go one-on-one -on -one, um whether it be a starting lineup or on the bench um and for nba live 10 a game where the post game isn't very strong in that game um i think that they would be a pleasure to use so i, I would be open to doing that matchup actually there you go. um yeah otherwise as far as like you said compensating for the lag we, we talked about this before the call you're the only player that i've had you know, that I've connected with on Parsec where the experience, whether, you know, I was the host or the other person was the host, um, wasn't top notch. Mm. Like Hornets on fire. And I, he Hornets on fire hosted. I was the guest client and we had great games on NBA 2K19, uh, you know, with st um, sticky fingers. He hosted today and I was the client. He was on Wi-Fi, and we had a great game, uh, et cetera. So, I hope we figure that out because yeah. I think that you and I, I, I think, and I think we will. I think that um, we're going to get to a point where it's working so good for you that you look forward to using it even more and jumping on and playing games. Um, but yeah, no, we had a great game. I thought, you know, minus some ridiculous computer assistance. Uh, that was weird. The more we've played NBA Live 10, the more we've obviously had the, this new appreciation for it. But you do notice these little things, these little weird momentum things under the under the hood. But I did mention to you, we, we don't usually call timeouts, and I wonder if that if there's an internal mechanic that halts the momentum doing that because we we don't really do that. 
I don't know. I, I just know that it's now happened several times in a row in different games that we've played. Uh, for, for those who don't know, I uploaded the highlights and shared them on Twitter. Um, that, this one to my channel, uh, my D for three YouTube and at D for three eighty four on Twitter. And it was the 2007 NBA playoffs. It was Warriors versus Jazz. I was the Warriors. Andrew was the Jazz. And the highlights came out really good. Like I'm, 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 I'm putting together the highlights, and I think I messaged you. I was like, these highlights came out better than we probably thought they would. Um, some really great dunks, you with Brewer, me with Jason Richardson. Um, some really nice pull-ups by Fisher, Darren Williams, uh, you know, Jason Richardson, Baron Davis. The, like that end of the third quarter, step back three I hit from like 30 feet with Baron Davis. That looked sweet. And so we had this, this really good experience. But remember how the game started? I couldn't make anything. I'm shooting completely wide open shots all over the floor, brick, brick, brick. And I know I'm releasing it right. Like I have the, like I have the highlights, like I know I'm releasing it right. And then all of a sudden in the third quarter, about halfway through, I'm hitting all the shots I was missing. Yeah. And there's definitely something under the hood with that game momentum wise where it kind of takes the control away from the player. And it is a little bit frustrating. Because it, it kind of happened to me in the fourth as well, where I, I was missing shots that I was making earlier in the game. Yeah, good shots. I think that's where it's frustrating. And uh, also where we have frustrations with, like, NBA 2K21, it's when the game takes away the control from the player. Mm. When the game takes control of the action. When you feel almost helpless. And we have had those moments with Live 10. So, like we said, we, you know, we've enjoyed revisiting Live 10, and it's better than we remembered. But it definitely still has its shortcomings. Oh, the, the exaggerated play and movement sometimes, try, uh, trying to stop on a dime? Oh, yeah, like getting dragged in to take a... So you try to stop on a dime, like, from, like, 18 feet out. Like, I don't know how many times that happens with me with Monta Ellis, where I tried to, like, pull up. And actually, one of them ended up being in the highlight reel where it forced me into a spin move and you stuffed me yeah. out of bounds. Um, but yeah, you try to pull up for a quick jump shot in the game, just like the momentum drags you to the hoop. Or you'll try to stop for a three and it drags you into a mid-ranger. Yeah. Um, that's why I say some of your stuff would lag. Like, I understand it. But at the same time, I think I'm dealing with some of the same stuff you are just from the game mechanic standpoint. Oh, un- undoubtedly. Yeah, there are issues with 10. It, it was not a perfect game. It's it's a uh, I don't know whether I want to say it's an underrated game. It's it's perhaps underappreciated now that life has struggled for so long that people forget that there have been some really good NBA live releases. That being the last uh, to really qualify as such. Uh, I know a lot of people do like NBA Live 19. I, I was left uh, left a bit cold by it for for reasons I've gone into on the podcast and in my uh, retrospective for the 25th anniversary of NBA Live. But Live 10 very strong releases. <laughs> That's why it's been our retro kick for a long time. What's this, at least two months that we've been playing this game now? Yeah, and how many articles have you written about it? Yeah, yep. you, you know, that that's the mark of a game that has something, right? Yeah. Like, there is something there that gets you. And um, it's it's been really enjoyable, and I don't see us stopping those games um, anytime soon, especially because we still have so many retro, um, retro matchups that we can put together. And... So Andrew tried to create Julius Irving. Oh, God, yeah. Using the creative player system. And I will say the broadcast setting, the, excuse me, the broadcast camera view of that Irving you created with the big fro, it's possible. 
it's possible from the broadcast, like from that angle, like if you didn't allow any close-ups, you could say, okay, the body type isn't that bad. He has the fro, all of that stuff. You might be able to put together a. <laughs> he's, he's number dish. six. <laughs> he's number six. He's wearing the right jersey, etc. You might be able to put something together. Um, but man, what a weak create a player feature. I mean, look, I, I, I could have gone more in depth with it. I, I was just very roughly messing around with with the sculpting tools, but they are very they're imprecise. I'll say they're, they're they're not shallow, but they're imprecise. That's the best way I'd put it because you're kind of moving around in in the um, I don't know what you what, how you would describe it. Kind of the, the circle, kind of like a a chart, like a graph where you can move between thin and thick and, and shallow and, and, and deep to change the, the, the skull shape and the face shape and everything. And, I mean, it's it's there. You, you don't have to just pick from generic head shapes. But at the same time, it, it just doesn't feel precise. Like, even if I made that on the on the 360, trying to get that exact same, then taking it into overpasssec and trying to recreate it on your uh, emulator, trying to get the exact same uh, settings is so imprecise. So so that's a problem as well. I'm going to try to get in there and see if I can make a couple of players that were missing for the retro team, see if I can see if I can get close. Um, it might be a fun little project. Maybe I'll try to jump on that later tonight. Um, but last thing, I, last thing I wanted to say about Parsec um, and the games that I played, I, I want people to understand that, and this is for the modding community, I want people to understand that you create far more memories playing the games then you do modding them. And, and I'm a modder myself. You know that. Yeah. I love modding. Um, but already, just in the last couple months of you and I playing NBA Live 10, we have created, a, we've had a lot of fun. And we've created many memories playing these games, uh, video game legends, uh, good matchups that we can look back on, like the Sonics and Bulls matchup, um, 05, etc. And I just want people to start playing the games more. I want people to start playing other humans more on the game. So if you're on PC, if you're listening to the NLSC podcast, chances are you're on PC. Or you at least, you, you, you know, um, you know about modding and playing on PC, etc., other basketball games, etc. I, I want you to download Parsec and try to connect with other gamers and play some games because nothing beats it. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The highlights speak for themselves, uh, I think, and, and how much joy we've had and talked about this on the podcast, and, and you've been talking about it on Twitter, of course, as well, and, and it, it really is cool to see more people getting involved with this and, and uh, discovering what we've discovered. It, it's just such a, a great program now that we've got it working as well, and hopefully even better in the future. Uh, I, I did want to ask before we moved on, you've been playing the 2K19 retro rosters, of course. Um, do you have a, a favorite season of out of those those rosters? Because you've, you played quite a f- few. you played the 89 Lakers and, and Knicks, and, and you've just played the game against uh, uh, Sticky Fingers, the, the Kings, and the, um, uh, and the, and the Warriors. Uh, do, do you have a favorite of the seasons you've played so far? Well, first off, I want to say that those mods by Sticky Fingers, the scoreboard, and then that graphics mod and everything, and the camera angle we were using, how cool was that? Indeed. I mean, that looks just really cool. Like, all that entire setup, you know, the correct courts, jerseys, all of that stuff, cyber faces, it's just the, the, the wonderful world of mods. Um, and he played really well with Mitch Richmond and whatnot, and, um, and Dwayne Coswell, actually, in the game that we just played. His favorite season? So, 
I think you could tell by the content that I've been posting on um, Twitter over the last few months. I've been absolutely obsessed with 80s basketball, with 80s NBA. I've been posting highlights constantly of, you know, from the 89-90 season, 88-89, the 85-86 season, 82-83. For NBA 2K19, they don't go far back enough yet. Um, I think the the furthest back we go right now is 88-89, which was the last season of Kareem. Mm -hmm. And I would say that 88-89 and 89-90 right now are my favorite seasons to go back to and play. And once we go back a little bit further with those rosters and we get into like 86, 87, the last season of Julius serving, and then even further back, 85, 86, where I can throw Julius serving Charles Barkley and Moses Malone on the floor together with the Sixers. Um, I think those I'm going to be diving heavy into those and just having a blast with those years. So um, I have this I'm on this 80s kick right now. So I'll just say point blank 80s and we'll just go with that. What about you? Um, I, I mean, I guess I'm partial to the, the 90s, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I think the, uh, I think that 94 roster re- really stands out to me because that's what, it's such, such a, an odd year that looked like it might be a transitional year, obviously, with Michael Jordan retiring in the off season. And then, of course, he came back in the latter stages of 94, 95 and had that second run, which I, at which point I, I really got into the NBA. And so my, my nostalgia is very much uh, mid to late 90s in that respect. But that 94 season kind of stands out as one of those overlooked years. And, of course, it's the first Rockets championship. They started 15-0 and 0 that year and, and had that, that run, you know, great run to the championship and Akeem's first title and the epic seven-game series with the, with the Knicks. You know, the, the first uh, really big ma- matchup at center in a while was, was really cool. But, uh, yeah, there's something about the 94 season that, uh, that even though it, oh, it wasn't a hardcore fan at that time. You, you got into the NBA a few years before I did. Uh, it really exploded here in Australia in the couple of years after you got into it was really with Jordan's comeback and everything. But that 94 season is, is one of those very interesting seasons to me. And of course, it's also the season depicted in the 16-bit versions of NBA Live 95, which I have a lot of nostalgia for as well. I actually, I really like the 93-94 season, and I'm a really big fan of that Rockets team, um, the way they played, and the fact that they're a lot. They're very underrated today, as far as the talent that they had. You know, everybody talks about Akeem, and and of course, in carry culture, like we have now, everybody's like, "Well, look what the team. Look at the team. Akeem dragged to a title, all that BS." Um, but they had so many good pieces, and Vernon Maxwell was one hell of a player, and Kenny Smith stretched the floor and was one hell of a player, and Otis Thorpe was the perfect power forward, the, the prototypical power forward that you want, right? Yeah. In the nineties, he was the absolutely. Yeah, it was just amazing for that team of the athletic Robert Ory, not the not the you know the one that you remember just shooting top of the key for threes, or the one that you think of as you know a little bit chubby or etc. We're talking about the super athletic Robert Ory. Um, you know, there was a lot of good teams in '93, '94. Um, the expansion teams uh, were starting to really come into their own. Um, I love the courts. I love the jerseys. Uh, etc. So yeah, I'm a fan of 93, 94 as well. So that that was really nice that he chose that. When I played with Sticky Fingers today, um, I didn't say anything about you know what season do you want. He just chose the 93, 94 roster, and I was glad he did because I don't play that roster too often, and it allowed me to use uh, Latrell Sprewell, Chris Mullen, and Chris Weber all together. So that was fun. So something else I wanted to to bring up uh, before you completely move on from Parsec is that you also played through the 2K servers this past week, 
which is something that I have a lot of experience in, obviously, uh, me playing the connector modes in my career. Uh, you were playing online head-to-head. But, uh, yeah, you you actually had a better connection uh, peer-to-peer, head-to-head, on, uh, on Parsec than through the servers. What's wild is, is so we connected on Parsec first, Simon Lee and I. Because both of us probably needed to restart our PCs, we didn't have a good connection. Like, we didn't, we, it didn't work. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to waste this opportunity to have a session. I still want to get a game in with Simon. So I suggested let's try the 2K service. So we jumped on NBA 2K21. I used the Pelicans. Uh, he used the Nets and on PC, and we played a game. And surprisingly, it worked really well. For both of us, we still had a little bit of slight input lag, but you saw the highlights. You know, we're, we're still able to time shots. Um, we had some wild alley-oops, et cetera, which is just the case with 2K21, just alley-oop central. You can throw alley-oops from everywhere on NBA 2K21, and they're completed constantly. It's just kind of ridiculous. So I'm just, like, running up the court with Lonzo Ball and throwing the ball backwards to Zion Williamson, who's throwing it down, et cetera. But we actually had a decent game. Like him and I said in our chat, we, we were like, listen, the, the performance wasn't the problem. It's the game. Like, we just didn't really enjoy the game that much. Um, because there's just a lot of issues and lack of authenticity and just a lot of blah moments. But the game lacks feel. I told you about this before the call. There's something that just very blah about NBA 2K21 from a basketball standpoint. Um, so what we did after is we actually got Parsec to work and... We, we, we altered a few settings, restarted our computer, got Parsec to work, and we jumped on NBA 2K17 using my UCTR roster. And I was the 07-08 Nuggets. I was the host. He was the 09-10 Lakers. I sucked it up, and I played in 2K cam because that's what he's used to. Played with real player percentage because that's what he I believe he normally uses. And we played a game, and it worked perfect for both of us. It was an awesome experience and one of his highlights a spin into a dunk with kobe made the the top 10 plays of the week which we'll get into in a second as well because i want to talk about that um just amazing submissions the submissions this week but yeah 2k17 worked amazing for us he lives in china and i'm here in the u.s an hour outside of boston and we had an amazing connection those highlights were so clean, so smooth, both of us hitting shots, both of us, you know, doing the moves that we wanted and everything. And it beat NBA 2K servers with him in China. Um, so I was just blown away by that. That was just an awesome experience. I'm actually glad you brought that up. I mean, the, the, it was good stuff. The, the 2K servers are a running gag to the point that 2K has actually addressed it in their games with the... Uh, some dialogue options you have when you communicate with Ronnie in my career, where he, I think it was 2K19, I believe, where he messaged you and says, oh, what a great game last night. This is in my career. And and you can write back, uh, fix your servers, Ronnie, which is which is kind of funny, but at the same time, it's it's like it's it's the self-awareness to make a joke, but not the self-awareness to actually uh, improve the server performance at all. So It's a slap in the face. That's a slap in the face for those people who are actually frustrated. By it, it. it kind of is, yeah. Like so. it, it's 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 sort of self-aware, but then not self-aware in other ways. So I know how it goes with the two K servers. I, I've obviously been playing a lot of online over the past few years. The online team play modes, and, and we've tried it as well, head to head, and um, and not had the the great performance. But you, you touch on it there. It's it's not just the servers. I mean that that is a recurring issue, but 
2K21, I think it left a lot of us cold. I wrote a Friday Five article, Five Games with the Wrong Vibe, which sounds like a kind of out there concept, but it's absolutely true that some games just don't have that right vibe, the right atmosphere and feel. They, they may Sometimes they may be mechanically pretty solid and, and, and fully featured and everything, but there's just something about them that just feels off. And, and 2K21 did, uh, especially the current-gen version, which is also the PC port, because in, in large part, it, it launched when the 2K20 season was still going, thanks to the, uh, the shutdown and then the bubble. Uh, so it launched with 2020 season rosters. If you had to play, if you played my career, you had to jump into the NBA section with fictional rookies at the start. I mean, of course, they patched in uh, 2021 season rosters later. But but if you want to play online, you need to be grinding from day one. So you're playing with these fictional rookies. It it just really, it just didn't feel right. And I'm I'm finding myself wrapping up to, uh, my 2K21 gameplay. I, I still jump in every so often, mostly on PS5 more so than PC these days. But yeah, I'm finding myself really wrapping it up. Uh, I've had some fun with it this year, but it really was a game that just didn't have the right vibe. You know what another huge problem is when you try to play NBA 2K21 online head-to-head, Andrew? What's that? You have to use the game's rosters. (laughs) Of course, yes, yes. And so players, you have to use the game's rosters, the game's sliders, the, the everything default. So basically what ends up happening is is you're jumping into a game and the players aren't really moving right. They're not playing really like themselves, etc. And it kind of remember when we tried to jump on and play 2K21? Yeah. Um it kind of being just like a running through the mud fest. Yep. A lot of the time um it's not that great of an experience. So to give you an example too. So we had that I had that great game with um Simon Lee and I'm really glad that he had a great time with it and we're definitely going to connect again because that was really fun. Came down to the last shot. Um our test missed a 3 in the corner to win it. It was just a really good game. A lot of memories created with that game. Um I connected with King J Mace um 1.6k Mace on Twitter and uh we played for a while on NBA 2K16 and then NBA 2K17, etc. And he was able, he hadn't played those games, I don't believe, in a while. And he, we both jumped in and we were just having an absolute blast. Every time we put on those games and we play them, and yes, I do have slider tweaks and whatnot and mods in there. But every time you, you, you jump onto those games, you're just like, these are pick up and play fun. Right. And I think that's what NBA 2K21 is missing. And the other thing, too, is those games, 2K16 and 2K17, they just have more authenticity feel like they have more feel there. There's more substance to them. Uh, There's not as much like sucking in, like the game pushing you in certain directions. There's not as much two man canned animations. The dunks have extra power. There's you feel better about shooting about the moves that you do creating space, all of that stuff. You feel like the computer isn't as dumb. Like the AI isn't as bad in those games as far as like on defense and whatnot. And it's just, there's so much more jump in and play and enjoy. People can say, Oh, it's just nostalgia, and they can say, "Oh, everyone hates the the latest game," and then looks back years later and enjoys it. There's there's some aspect of that. There's some element of truth to that for some people. Uh, people that seem to dislike every new game and then get over it uh, a few years later. There are some people who do that. I'm not going to say that there's not uh, in within the basketball gaming community, 
But by and large, 2K16 and 17 were very well received. You go back and you look at the user reviews and the user Metacritic scores, and they lined up with the professional reviews, with the with the journalist reviews and everything. How many times have I talked about that? Yeah. How many times have I talked how um, you go back and you look and, and you can see some of the old forums here too talking about, uh, and on Operation Sports, the threads talking about 2K17, 2K16, 2K15, and people were just raving about the gameplay and about the things that they liked about it. And of course you had some complaints every now and then. They weren't perfect. It's yeah. volume. That's why context matters. The volume of complaints and what people are complaining about and all of that stuff. And you can see the lack of passion um, when people play these uh, these new editions of NBA 2K, 2K20 and 2K21. You can see that people are not as into the gameplay anymore for obvious reasons. Um, they got to get away from the canned basketball. Yeah. They got to get away from being stuck in the mud. They got to get away from this artificial feel of the game. The game lacks true feeling, in my opinion. It lacks that feel that really makes you want to jump on the sticks and create, um, you know, great basketball moments. You know, I mentioned the word vibe, and again, some people might think that's a bit strange to use or a bit out there. And we can talk about the mechanical problems with current games as well. The motion system that was brought in in 2K18 is something we've talked about on many occasions, how we've felt that it, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't, certainly wasn't implemented properly in 2K18, and subsequent games, it ha- those games haven't been as good building on that foundation as the games that came out uh, immediately preceding 2K18, the 15 to 17 being a very strong run. But th- there's just something about the, the vibe of recent games. Look, I... I Enjoy 2K19. It, it's it's probably one of my favorites of the generation. Uh, 2K20 I played a lot of, although I had my complaints. Uh, and 2K21, yes, I've had some fun with it. But there's just something, you know, you, you can throw around uh, poetic terms, heart and soul and things like that, and vibe, obviously. But there really is something to that, that we look forward to those uh-huh. games. They excited us during the preview season, and we'll be talking a bit about the preview season in, in a moment as well. But there was something very exciting. We looked forward to those games coming out. They they delivered when we got them, and we had spent hours upon them. Again, I spent twenty seven or twenty eight hundred hours with two K seventeen alone, just on PS four. A lot of that playing online with the guys, obviously with the NLC Thrillho. But we really enjoyed those games. We, we genuinely did enjoy those games. It wasn't just nostalgia. We enjoyed it at the time as well. Uh, what we enjoy now, looking back. It's the same thing, same things we enjoyed back then. We just haven't felt that in recent years. And you might say, yes, you're getting old, you're getting jaded, old heads and all this stuff. But it's not just that. I mean, yes, I, I am. I, I will admit to some cranky old man tendencies, but at the same time, Derek, you know, we, we're, we're missing some of that heart and soul in, in, in recent games. Oh, it's okay to say it's missing heart. It is. Their direction has changed. Yeah. The, the direction of the games has changed, and um, unfortunately, uh, the game from uh, a gameplay standpoint has declined uh, in many different ways um, to take away that fun and, the, and those great experiences. And, you know, we haven't lost our love for basketball gaming. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Sure. Like you and I. Like, you know, we're, how many games have we played of NBA Live 10? Um, how many times have I tried to connect with people and played games of NBA 2K17? 16, 19, um, etc. And we're, we're going to be playing some other games as well. We haven't lost our love for basketball gaming and for competition. And it's not just nostalgia. We're playing these games. And that's what needs to be recognized here. 
like I said, there's something missing in the newer games, and it's not just with us. Like, it's not just missing to us. It's missing, um, you know, for a good portion of the population, in my opinion. I mean, look, you talk about the the lack of authenticity in the default rosters with retro teams and whatnot. We've had some more authentic retro experiences in NBA Live 10, playing with makeshift teams without editing any rosters and any ratings and, and so forth to really... I mean, we, if we were to do that with, with Live 10, which we could do, because we've set up the fantasy team's roster to really be flexible and, and set up these matchups. I mean, how long does it take to set up a fantasy matchup? A, a few a number edits, uh, maybe a couple of minutes, five minutes before we start playing? Possibly. I mean, we and we get into the games really quick. Yeah. So um, it's been, yeah, I, I got to tell you something. That that fantasy team's option is amazing. Fantastic, yeah. No, I, I love it. And it's... Uh, but yeah, we, we've had some, even with some players being a little bit underrated in the default rosters of NBA Live 10, we've had more authentic experiences. Okay, yes, we've had some missing players, but <laughs> then again, so do the retro teams in 2K. So there you go. Right, at least we don't have fakes yet. No fakes, no no all guys on looking the same with headbands on. I kind of, of, I kind of want to do it. I kind of want to just create some fake placeholders and just have them there on the bench for the, for the 99-76s. If we do the 99 Lakers and 76s, uh, just have these fakes on the bench, just uh, just for, just for fun, just like a three minute quarter game or something, just to just to have some weird footage of it. Yeah, that reminds me of the the Live King doing that um, Live nineteen video of like number ninety eight Jordan <laughs> Russell, or number yeah, eight. Yeah, I do want to say something though, because this episode is almost a hundred percent about the community and sharing experiences with the community and gameplay and whatnot. How about that top ten? How about all the submissions we got from the top ten for the top ten plays for this week? I, I think that may be the the top top ten so far. I do too. I, I believe so. I think this is week seven. Um, so this is the seventh week in a row we've had a top ten, which is wild because I feel like we just started it. I can't believe we're about two months in. The weeks go quickly, um, yeah. But when I get an email with a highlight. It just gets me so pumped up. And, you know, I have we're getting highlights from so many different people from at B-Ball video games from, um, you know, uh, King J. Mace uh, from Simon Lee from Stildo, uh, Stildo 33 and and all of these different people. And from um, Teddy Bear, the gamer. And how about that? Number one this week, the behind the back into a dunk for the, the WNBA action. I just I love seeing all the highlights. I love people seeing getting excited about seeing themselves in the highlights i love the fact that nobody's complaining about my placement because i put together the top 10 each week and it's just been great to bring the community together and how many times outside of this top 10 that we've been doing for the last seven weeks how many times have you seen a top 10 like it yeah i mean it's it's one of those things that you just don't see anymore there's there's a a couple And it's not community-based, and that's what I like about it, that it, it's, it's offering the community a chance. And look, everybody has, everybody can, has access to YouTube or whatever or Twitch. There's more platforms than ever that people can take control of their content. But I think there's something special about submitting it to, uh, to a compilation and having it spotlighted and done in, in the way that you're doing it um, in a, with that slick presentation and everything, that, that people really enjoy seeing it there and, and being able to check out other people's highlights as well, compiled like that. And, and set forth to you know that great uh, music from NBA Live '99, obviously. So th- there's something I think that the community aspect is something that we enjoy, obviously. But the community is enjoying it too, and that is the main thing. Yeah, I think this—it's been my goal. I want to say over the last few months is to just get 
people playing, get people sharing, talking, you know, to getting get people on the stick, sharing those experiences. And between the top ten, um, people sending me highlights, um, you know, the the Parsec gameplay, connecting the community um, from all around the world, playing games and everything. It's just been i got to be honest with you, I've been kind of obsessed with it. It's just been really enjoyable. And I hope people just don't say, oh, well, you know, Derek will, you know, Deep for Free, um, he'll connect with me. Reach out to other people. I'd love to see Stildo 33 and Hornets on Fire play a game and save the highlights, right? Or even just get on and play a game and then tell me about it. Like, uh, connect with each other. Yeah. Get and, together. And talk about it in a forum, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Cheap plug yeah. of the forum, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, the the top ten has been great. I love all the the highlight submissions. I love how excited people are getting about it, um, etc. And and I love the wide variety of games that we're getting. You know, Live Two Thousand One, NBA Street Volume Two, Two K Twenty One, Two K Seventeen, etc. It's just I look forward to doing it every week. Let's put it that way. And, and the fantasy teams mode in NBA Live Ten. And yes, obviously, it'd be great if we can play some other games, and we're going to try and get that working for for you and I. But the NBA Live Ten sessions have, by and large, been a lot of fun, very competitive, clean sports uh, sportsmanship there. Obviously, as we've said before, but I also want to shout out to uh, to Cavs four eight seven two in the forum and the NLC community uh, uh, commented on my Webeck Wednesday article about uh, creating retro teams, where I went through all of the teams that I've been able to create so far that that, that I have listed re- ready for us to play with and. Uh, I really seem to enjoy that article. Uh, says that he does it himself, uh, recreating the 2007 Nets and, and Cavs and, and uh, playing that because that was a, a second-round series from the 2007 playoffs. Uh, LeBron versus uh, the trio of, of uh, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson, and Jason Kidd. Uh, that, that's one that we have on the, on the list there. That would be a fun one to play as well. Um, and, and he also mentions the 2009 Bulls and Celtics series, which is a, a tremendous series, and another one that we <laughs> will probably play at some point. Yeah, we have to because that's... Uh... What a ridiculous that, that that's playoff basketball, by the way, not whatever this has been this year. That is playoff basketball. Um, I also want people just a reminder: if you ever connect with Stildo thirty three, um, who's at one Kenny Kenny on um, on Twitter, he's a trash talker. <laughs> I just want I just want to warn you: uh, he he talks trash. And before the last game we played, when he was the Indiana Pacers, he was like, "Guess what time it is?" Made me answer. It's me Miller time and he will talk trash to you. Um, but, um, it's friendly and he's funny as hell and it's really fun to play against him. It's, it's friendly trash talk. Um, but I don't think there's a game that we have played where he hasn't trash talked. So just fair warning. I mean, if you can back it up, he competes, he's good. Like still, still 33 is, um, he's a very, he's very good at the games. Um, he did very good uh, in a game where he was the Suns. I think I pulled it out at the end, but he was the Suns, the 92-93 Suns using um, Barkley, Marley, uh, KJ, and whatnot. And he was playing fantastic, especially for the first half. Uh, so, no, he can definitely back up some of his trash. Uh, but more importantly, you know, when somebody's doing stuff like that and they're trash talking, I know that they're really into the game and really having fun. And I can tell that he's really enjoying the experience, and that's what it's all about. And as far as NBA Live 10 goes, if we do recreate that 2009 uh, series, maybe we should do that as a series, a best of seven. I would do that. See, and that's the other thing I brought up in the um, in the Discord for the 2K19 roster that we have, uh, rosters we have, is, you know, guys, we could do a tournament. 
we could do playoff series and we could go against each other. Um, we could get the community involved in this. So I'm trying to find a way to work this type of thing out. But yeah, if it was just for you and I, that would be cool. We could do a full seven game series, Celtics versus Bulls. That would be fun. Just to see how it goes, whether we can rewrite history one way or the other. Maybe the Celtics, maybe it's 4-1. Maybe it's, uh, uh, maybe the Bulls can pull it out. Who knows? It, I'd, I'd be up for for, uh, for doing it. Yeah, a video game can't duplicate some of the shots that were made in that series. That's true. They just can't. Yeah. That, that, I mean, the, the, that's where the real-life action is more exciting than any video game can duplicate. So. They have their limitations, but obviously we still enjoy our virtual hardware exploits. So I did mention wrapping up 2K21. It's We are... We're actually... If we look at the, the rumored release date for NBA 2K22, and it's probably fairly accurate, certainly in the vicinity, we are about two months away from when it's going to be coming out. We know nothing about this game. The preview season hasn't tipped off. Obviously, once again, because of the pandemic and the late start of the 2021 season, we are still in the 2021 season. The finals have not happened yet as of this uh, as of this recording. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's hard to get enthused about the previous season these days and sometimes i think well yes cranky old man cranky old andrew i've been covering the uh covering basketball games on the nlc as of 20 20 years as of this year so i've gone through a lot of previous seasons nba live and nba 2k maybe i'm feeling a bit jaded but there's there's just not enough to really sink your teeth into during the previous season these days and going back to previous years on the podcast there were so many times when probably to our detriment, we said, oh, there's, there's no news this week, you know, and, and had to find other things to talk about, which, which you and I have no problem with, uh, clearly, with all the shows we've done and some of the early ones going over two hours, obviously. But previous seasons, they ain't what they used to be. We used to get excited about all the little tidbits of information. Exactly. That get um, around this time and whatnot. And all we have now is just, like, speculation and leaked covers and rumors and, and, and all of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, I think it can get it can get frustrating, and the fact that we know why they do it, right? And it's to get as many pre-orders as possible most of the time. Um, it's to uh, basically get people ha- um, sitting on the edge of their seats, uh, you know, in anticipation and all of that stuff. It's a lack of transparency that's uh, unfortunately plagued the series now for quite a few years. So there is a another rumored leak. At the moment, we've talked about the, the Luka Doncic situation in previous shows. So there's a, there's a new leak that's putting out a, a cover there with uh, Durant, Dirk, and Kareem. And uh, it's it's got some interesting artwork there. It mentions uh, a release date of September 10th, which is certainly in the vicinity of when it usually comes out. Um, and it also mentions uh, vague mentions of, of uh, pre-order bonuses of 100,000 uh, VC, which has been pretty standard uh, bonus content unnamed. Which, again, this all sta- sounds like something you would expect to see. It is the usual pre-order bonuses. So if, even if it is a guess, it's probably going to turn out to be accurate. But uh, this does come from uh, from 2K Intel. But other than that, no one else is really reporting anything. There, there are some leaks. Uh, interesting that they're showing Durant, Dirk, and uh, and Kareem when the when, uh, no presence of uh, Doncic. Of course, he could be a, a regional cover player. That's That has happened before. But then... Yeah, that, that that doesn't line up with some of the previous rumors. But even even if this is true, we are two months away from the game and we know nothing about it. First off, that fake cover, if it, if it is fake, is great artwork. Mm. I actually think I, I actually hope that's the Legends cover for NBA 2K22 because it looks fantastic. Very cool. Uh, 
And it is very possible that they could have a three-way Legends cover and include a current player in it. So it could be Kareem, Durant, and um, Dirk, uh, with Dirk being the main, obviously, in the front there, and then have their regular cover of Doncic. So um, I, I still think that it's possible that that is real. A lot of places reported on it, gamesradar.com, um, etc. like a lot of places were talking about it. And usually when that happens... Um, I feel like a lot of times there is some realness to it. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, so uh, if if that is the Legends cover, I applaud it. I think it's a good one. Uh, and I understand why they would include a current player in it. So I, I, I think that it is possible. I mean, multiple cover players, multiple editions would not be unprecedented for 2K. Right, exactly. It's happened. Like NBA 2K13. Um, you know, the, the three covers, the three cover players or whatnot. And then... Um, 16 the, as well, yeah. In 2K16 as well, which NBA 2K16 still has the wildest intro I've almost ever seen in a basketball video. Very game. creative, yeah. yeah. That, that's actually a current, my current avatar in the forum is taken from that. Uh, the uh, Michael Jordan on his throne with the glowing red eyes. Very ominous. Yeah, very um, interesting because the graphics depicted in that NBA 2K16 intro have nothing to do with the actual graphics that are in the video game. So it's very rare to see. Um, it's just like an artistic approach, and I thought it, I thought it was a home run. I actually think it's really. I I kind of didn't like it at first. I, I will admit because it was sort of out there, but it's very it's definitely grown on me. Yeah, I think it's it's something different, and I think that it was a good way to, um, you know, wa- they really focused on Michael Jordan there as the final opponent and whatnot. And I thought that that was just I thought it was, I thought it was very creative, and I thought it was tastefully done. Let's put it that way. I thought it was. I thought it was well done. I mean, it's more creative than the no intro we've had the last few years. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> give us an option to turn it off. If like, give us an intro, get us excited, uh, have that awesome intro, but just have something in the settings where we can turn it off so it doesn't show up again. Yeah, that's, all, that's st- all. That's all you need. But as for two K twenty two, I mean, we've speculated on it. We've talked about some of the things we want to see. We'll get the preview, uh, the previews, the blogs, the developer blogs. Uh, I think the other thing that's really soured me on it is reading the developer blogs, reading the broken promises, reading in, in, in subsequent years, th- them being honest about things they were dishonest about in the previous year's blogs. It's very hard to take them at face value. It really is. Uh, we already talked about it, like the thing, the developer blog thing where that said that they couldn't ach- achieve good fit foot planning before, like on the next-gen developer blog when they absolutely did in 2K15, 16, and 17, um, saying that they couldn't achieve it on PS4, and now they could on PS5. And then the PS5 foot planning isn't even as good as 2K17, 16, and 15. So, like, it's little things like, it, well, it's not very little. It's, 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 it's kind of a big lie. Um, but it's lies like that that just kind of put a sour taste in our mouths. So I agree. I, I, I don't know what I believe anymore as I mean, far as, like, when, when I read those developer blogs. You go back to the 2K18 to 19 blogs, which is my go-to example here because it was the most egregious example, egregious, of walking back on what they said the previous year. In the 2K18 uh, gameplay blogs, they said, we've removed some two-man animations in the paint. This is by design. They were hyping it up as this improvement to paint play. And then the 2K19 blogs openly admitting that they removed those because there were problems with the motion system in its first implementation in 2K18 and that it was a, they put a Band-Aid fix in for missed layups. They basically admitted what they said the previous year was an improvement was a Band-Aid fix for something that wasn't working properly. And... I've always been really 
frustrated. I wrote an article about it. So I wrote a lot of articles, obviously. But I, I'm obviously so frustrated that it didn't gain more traction. And we know why. We know because a lot of influencers are shills. Let's, let's put it out there. But it didn't gain any traction. This lie that exposed that developer blocks, you can't believe them. And yet every, the developer blog comes out every year and people say, oh, it's, it's great and, and believe that this is going to happen. And, and look, sometimes, sometimes it does happen. I'm not saying that everything in developer blogs is a lie. I'm not going <laughs> to slander them that way. But we've seen some very big lies exposed, and yet people have just stuck their head in the sand. How does this not gain more traction? Yeah, and I think the thing is, is that you will never win the info and, influ and influence war. You're never going to win the information and influence war. Yeah. Because thing that you see in the developer blogs, what happens after a developer blog comes out? All of the big publications, all of the big websites, all of that stuff, the reviewers, all of that, jump all over the developer blog and promote all of those same words, right? And they say things like, oh, this is what they're saying, and this is going to be a welcome change, and this is a welcome idea, and all of that stuff. And they just continue to reinforce all of those words, whether they're accurate or not whether it's you know hypocritical or contradictory or not and that's the problem because and little andrew no offense of the nlsc um how are you going to compete with forbes exactly yeah the, the information and influence how are you going to compete with ign how are you going to um, um uh, compete are you, are with youtube with two million 10 million subscribers whatever yeah. yeah how are you going to compete with even though your words are accurate accurately calling them out and whatnot how are you going to com com compete with that youtuber who has five hundred thousand subscribers yeah or three hundred thousand subscribers who makes millions of impressions for each video etc and that's why you know if if they control the information and influence um how are you supposed to you know accurately uh you know how are you supposed to call out all of the bs and get people to also call them out. Yeah. Exactly, and, and this is why the games are in the state that they are. I mean, the lack of competition doesn't help either, as we've discussed on many occasions, and we will stick to that, because people can say, oh, you know, we, we don't need NBA Live or anybody else, and then they'll complain about 2K. Well, nothing's going to change without competition, and certainly nothing will change without the community and influencers holding 2K to account. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, what's going to end up happening is if we continue down this road, uh, we people are just going to continue to get taken advantage of, Definitely, to be honest with you. And um, that's why it's steadily been that way since MDA 2K18, especially, because we had a lot better, a, lot, a, a much better feeling about 2K and the series and whatnot in 2K17 and prior. This really kicks Absolutely. off. And people can say that it's changed as nostalgia, as, as we said before. No. Go back and look at the comments at the time. Yes, there were. there's always complaints. Some legitimate, some, some more reasonable than others. But people were enjoying the game. And, and, and that's the thing is go, go on to those old Operation Sports forums. Go into the archives on NLSC and, and look at what people were saying. It's night and day different. Go look at those Metacritic scores and go look at the user comments about it and whatnot. So, yeah, um, like I said, they've been going down this road for a while, and unfortunately, um, the biggest influencers, uh, they kind of control. Yeah, that's the problem. But, yeah, it's it's something we've covered so many times before, but it seems very relevant around, to talk about it again, uh, especially this time of year where we're going to start getting those developer blogs. NBA 2K22 obviously coming out uh, 
whether that date is correct. I, I would say that if if it's not correct, it's a very good guess. There could be some accuracy here. We'll probably know in the next few weeks. Uh, we, we will, of course, cover it on the site and talk about it on the podcast moving forward. I, I'm guessing we might see something during the finals, a, a teaser or something. I'm surprised we haven't seen a, a, pre, a pre-order link yet. Yeah, well, I mean, are we are we going to kill Live 22 now? Was I wrong? Remember I said that, that you know, I was sticking to my guns and thought we were going to get NBA Live 22? Yeah, I, I don't think that's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, EA which Play... Is a, which is a damn yeah. shame. Yeah, they've yeah, mentioned sure. they've mentioned you know other games at EA Play, but and people have holding out hope for live. Which look, I'm not going to I'm not going to dump on that because I'd love to hold out that hope too. But oh, well, maybe I am just too jaded at this point. I don't know. You know what though? With Parsec, and we're going to get it to work a little bit better. There's always going to be something for us to play, and that's the beauty of having a catalog of games and being willing to go back and play something and you don't, not relying on online like um like park play or or um, the online connected modes and all of that stuff so if you really think about it um you and i are going to be fine so um we'll figure it out and because we're crazy collectors we'll get the games anyway so we're maybe part right, of the problem exactly. well, I was, uh, well i was telling uh, sticky fingers this because um i was playing uh nba i think he made a comment about nba street volume two and I, I played King J Mace on that, um, on the Dolphin emulator for uh, for GameCube. But I have that game, like the physical copy of the game. I've I've had a GameCube for a long time. So like, I'm a collector like you are, and like my collection is re- really big. So it feels nice to be able to jump onto these games too online and play these games with you or other people and host these games and whatnot, knowing that I also have the physical copies. So I feel good about it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Speaking of which, uh, just before we move on to the mailbag, I did just buy a copy of the uh, PC version of uh, Slam and Jam 96. There you go. And I already talked about that game recently with you. Um, I think we talked about that about 10, 15 different podcasts ago and whatnot. Um, Underrated. Very, uh, very good gameplay. I got to be completely honest with you. Like, I enjoy the gameplay. I wish it had more depth. Um, But it has good gameplay. If I'm remembering correctly, I believe that was actually created by the same, maybe not the same team, but certainly the same studio as uh, Kobe Bryant and NBA Courtside. Uh, Again, another game that, uh, that you and I have enjoyed over the years. Yeah, I gotta get. I gotta play more courtside. To be honest with you, um, they made number that courtside two thousand two actually was the number one play of the week um, in week six, and people really enjoyed those highlights. I got some comments on them, um, but yeah, that game produces some pretty awesome stuff. Uh, yes, so I, I was actually right. Leftfield Productions uh, developed the game and published by Crystal Dynamics back in the day. I think the thing about Slam and Jam ninety six is is they could have done wonders if they had the NBA license. And it, I, I suppose it, it is why we don't see the, the unlicensed games outside of some indie titles, obviously, that the idea of a, a, a fictional a game that, that would have so much uh, sandbox options with modding and, and editing and customization, and, but just have this really great gameplay, the, the NBA sells. And, and it's why when people say having a separate playground game for, uh, for 2K or, or dropping the NBA from NBA Live, you can't. That, that is the draw. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said I talked about that at length on a previous show. Um, the NBA is the drawer. Uh, even if the NBA is not doing as well, um, even if it's um, full of conflict, even if the NBA isn't as much as popular as it once was, or anything like that, um, the NBA is the main draw. 
So that's what these kids look up to. Um, that's what these kids look forward to seeing highlights of. Um, the, the NBA will always be the main draw. And if not the NBA, you need, at least need to have, it needs to be college or, or, or EuroLeague or something. It needs to have some, some kind of license to, to sell to people. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a game like Slam and Jam 96 where it's just Magic and Kareem, um, and then I believe there's a, a worthy lookalike in the game with goggles. Yep. Uh, but you know, we, with um, a game with just Magic and Kareem and a bunch of other players, it kind of leaves a blah taste in your mouth as far as like when you jump on the sticks because it's just missing that authenticity, and it's just really weird having Magic Johnson run with a bunch of fakes. It but, is. It's like a Michael Jordan in flight. I still have never played that game. Still never played it. I, I yeah, I gotta, I gotta get on that. Um, and if you haven't played Double Dribble Playoff Edition, you need to get on that. So maybe that will be a goal for both of us. We can play that and uh, compare notes from uh, games we played growing up back in the day. And now it is that time of the week, Derek, where we open up our mailbag and answer questions and talk about topics that are suggested by our awesome listeners. Shout out to Trent at Cystic underscore Jedi on Twitter. Asked us, are you guys going to play the Space Jam and New Legacy game on Game Pass? No, it's not a full-on basketball video game, but it looks like you use basketballs and moves during the fighting. So, yeah, I, I suppose we'll start off by answering the question. I don't have Game Pass, and uh, I think I'll actually, having seen some of the previews, I think I'll also uh, pass on the game, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's a movie that I don't think should have been recreated, and it's a, ga- it's a video game that I will not play. Let's just put it that way. It's a beat-em-up style game. Um, I'm not into any of the new beat-em-up style games. Um, I don't really feel like running around in a world beating up people with LeBron James. Um, I saw some of the gameplay through the um, gameplay trailer. Uh, one thing, it was kind of a nice added touch, is that they they used retro graphics. So the graphics in the video game look like they come from Super NES, basically. Like, it looks like a Super Nintendo game. That, that always resonates um, these days, that retro style. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, it's kind of like an like it's what would be called indie now. It's like an indie style mm. looking game, um, but it's definitely the gameplay doesn't interest me. Um, Space Jam Two: A New Legacy um, just doesn't interest me at all. The front of the movie either, so I'll I'll be passing on it. And again, the genre, like the beat 'em up style, that just doesn't do it for me. I, I'm more into. And I, t- I think I talked about this on the prior podcast. Uh, just that little mini game, the basketball game that's in the Tokyo 2020 sports uh, Olympics game. You know, that basketball game? That looked okay. That showed- yeah. Yeah, I bought it off Steam uh, and whatnot. And I'm more interested in that because it's actual basketball. It's full court, five on five. And sure, it's limited. And sure, it's just a mini game within the Tokyo Olympics um, 2020 uh, PC game. But yeah, I'm more interested in that than I am than like a beat 'em up style Space Jam, LeBron James going around punching things. Like, I mean, that I, just doesn't do anything. I, I have seen worse basketball games than what you showed me in Tokyo 2020. I got to tell you, as a standalone game, that Tokyo sports game, the basketball game, um, that, and I might, I'm going to upload gameplay of that at some point. As a standalone game, that could do well if they made it a little bit deeper gameplay wise. It, it's not bad. The thing is, is that the Tokyo game, I know we're getting off track of um, Space Jam, but the Tokyo Olympics basketball game, um, it's missing dribble moves. Like, you, you can't do any dribble moves. So they'd have to add that if they made it a standalone game. And they'd have to add, like, a post-up option 
and whatnot so you could actually like post up but if you they have the bones right there for a game that i think would do incredibly well on steam as a stand as a, or on console as a standalone game give it some customization options give it a season mode it doesn't need to have real players or anything like that i think that people would play that game it it, it looks pretty solid but but like you say you do need to have the those uh deeper mechanics if it's more than just a mini game so uh, Tokyo 2020, the uh, unexpected possible gaming experience of, uh, of 2021, <laughs> right there. You know why I'm sad? I'm pathetic. So I usually do get Olympic games um, and whatnot, because I remember um, the Summer Olympics games from the 90s that I absolutely loved. Uh, and even like the Tiny Toons Wacky Sports Challenge, where they had like Olympic events and stuff like that that like stuff those games like that i always loved them and i usually try to pick them up when they're when they're available but the only reason i spent 40 bucks us dollars 40 bucks on that game was for the basketball portion even though i knew it was a mini game and that's how pathetic i am i was like you know what i know this is only going to be a mini game it's going to have absolutely no depth etc but because it has basketball in it and i'm craving just trying a new basketball game i'm going to buy it so i bought it i i mean i spent more than three dollars on kids sports basketball it was five dollars but uh so i'm not gonna judge any i'm not gonna judge anybody for their collecting habits especially when it comes to basketball gaming but you you talk about that and and playing other games because obviously we do play other games as passionately as we are about basketball and basketball gaming we do have our other favorites uh that that we play and and mention from time to time Uh, and and there were those great games that that spun off into uh, creative concepts that really have become probably more indie these days than triple a uh, titles and unfortunately we don't always see that creativity but even going back to space jam the new legacy game it's it's not appealing to us for various reasons um, people seem to be enjoying it which is which is cool but it does remind me a lot of those games that would license a player uh shack fu comes to mind obviously and they did make the new shack fu saber interactive who of course make uh, playground uh, nba 2k playgrounds 2 uh original playgrounds and uh, ww battlegrounds of course uh, they made the uh, Shaq Fu Legacy Reborn, which, pe- which, which, funnily enough, people got excited about that because Shaq Fu, the original game, has a very dubious legacy. It is considered one of the worst games of all time. There's been some people who defend it, saying, "Oh, it's not that bad." I certainly don't think it's very good. Uh, there was, <laughs> do you remember that initiative a few years back? Uh, maybe, probably more than ten years now, really. But the the initiative to find and destroy every cartridge of Shaq Fu that they could. Yeah, wasn't there something too about like a landfill? It, it could have been, um, or, like the ET, yeah. like the situation. Plus. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, I, I got to tell you that it wasn't received well. Um, no. But I do want to say something. You have to be, you can't hate the main character. And I'm not saying I hate LeBron James, but I don't enjoy LeBron James. Like, I don't want to, I won't feel good about conquering the world, beating up things with LeBron James. Like, that's not going to do anything for me. But by the way, if I want to play a beat-em-up style game, I'll play Double Dragon or a game like that. Um, That, like, throwing an NBA player into uh, a situation where he's beating up aliens and an NBA player that I'm not particularly fond of, why is that going to do anything for me? That's the thing. So That's right. I mean, when it is based on that single player, you do, as you say, you do have to be very fond of that player to really care. I mean, you look at a game like... Uh, or at least be neutral, right? Yeah. Or at least be neutral. Like you don't have to. It's you don't have to love that that the the main character, but at least be neutral on him. Right? But you look at a game like uh, Michael Jordan: Chaos in the Windy City, which is a side-scrolling platformer with some very weird level design. I covered that in a Wayback Wednesday. It's 
it's it's one of those games. It's very similar to uh, to Michael Jackson's. Um, oh, what what was it? Uh, was it Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, the, the Genesis game? It was it was Michael. Ja- yeah, I believe it was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Which, by the way, I played that, and it's not that bad yeah. from a gameplay perspective. It's 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 not that bad. It's I, I kind of put them in the same category that you've got this platformer starring a famous a famous MJ. Funnily enough, for the two of them, and it's it, it, obviously there is uh, Michael Jackson's attacks are based on on musical on, on his music. Uh, Michael Jordan's attacks are based on on basketball in, in this platform game. Kind of these weird far out scenarios on on uh, both of them. Side scrolling levels that you're going back and forth and ages to get through. It's one of it's it's one of those mid '90s games that was designed like that. Artificial length with some of the the uh, the levels there, the, the level design. But it's something we saw a lot then, and of course Shaq Fu again, the, which is a, a fighting game, a tournament fighter game, isn't it? It's it's tournament fight, a tournament fighter, isn't it? Shaq Fu. It is, I believe. Yeah, it's been a long time. It has been a long time. I just know it wasn't received well. So you have these spin-off concepts starring a popular celebrity or, or athlete uh, that that you have. So it kind of harkens back to that, and, and in that respect, the retro style is is, uh, is very appropriate. But those games. I mean, they, they were competent, like you say. The uh, Moonwalker was perhaps better than than um, it had any right to be. Chaos in the Windy City, decent, but it, it was really about the celebrity that kind of, the, and that's that's how video games were. I mean, we can talk a lot about how video games have gone in a bad direction with uh, with microtransactions, recurrent revenue mechanics, and all kinds of problems that we've talked about before. But there was uh, an issue with you know, the, the issue, the problem with licensed games, as TV Tropes calls it back in the 90s where you would have uh, a famous uh, a celebrity or a, a movie or something and and the game just wasn't very good it, it was it was really banking on the fact that it was a popular license yeah and i think the thing is and let's go back to character right so we loved michael jordan growing up mm. both of us uh, me living an hour outside of boston still loved michael jordan still idolized michael jordan thought he was the greatest uh etc still do to this to this day um i think that that sold a lot of co- a lot of copies based on just being Michael having Michael Jordan on it. No doubt. And I think that going through a world like that when you're using um, somebody that you're fond of that you you know fully respect and you, you know that you think is great on the basketball court too as well. Um, you know, using somebody that you're more fond of um, will make you stay on those games longer and actually play them. And I've played Chaos in the Windy City, and I don't think it's the worst game. Um, but I would rather play that than I would, you know, a beat 'em up style LeBron James beating up Aliens game. So, yeah, I, I, I think that um, some of those older games actually, in my opinion, hold up better today um, than most people think. The Chaos and the Windy Cities, the Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, um, even the Double Dragons and, and whatnot, the, those type of games, um, because there's still a lot of a lot of people playing the indie games on Steam. True. And a lot of them and downloading them on PS uh, on their PlayStations and Xboxes and whatnot. Um, a lot of these, um, you know, the side scrollers and whatnot that are still being released. Uh, so I still think that those games can do very well today. And I and I also think those games often hold up far better than sports games from back then. Well, they, they because do because they, they're not trying to realistically re- depict the sport. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it can be silly in some of the graphics and mechanics and still be super fun gameplay wise where, where in sports, there's so much strategy involved and so many different moving parts, etc. that it's harder to replicate, you know, but you're harder to do back then. 
a big problem and it goes to those expansions into other genres obviously also the fact that it's, it's not basketball so if you're a basketball fan it's oh it's it's a michael jordan game but are we playing basketball not really <laughs> so it's it's kind of like that and, and which is again not to say that it's a horrible unplayable game um it, it and moonwalker have certainly have their their charm but i think whenever you just have a a game that is related to a basketball player uh, even a basketball game like a Michael Jordan in flight, like a Slam and Jam '96 or Slam and Jam '95, it, it's uh, its uh, predecessor, you do miss the or, or a, a David Robinson's Supreme Court. You miss having the other players. You want to have that. You want you want to play with NBA players, all NBA players. Who are these fictional players? Why is Michael Jordan battling, battling aliens in the sewers of Chicago? Um, <laughs> so it's you miss the basketball in those games, and even in the basketball games. You miss having other players, so it's it's nice to have that. Barkley Shut Up and Jam is obviously another one. It's uh, the fact that it's kind of a mediocre jam clone, at least in my opinion, doesn't help it any. But you need something a little bit more. So I, I think that's why those games can sometimes fall short. Right. I think I think that those games are actually sometimes better without the NBA player in them. If you're just going to go all out, I mean, I mean, if you're going to just have fake players throughout the rosters, just go all out and make it like not a, like, like a Dunk Lords. For example, and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Like a Dunk Lords, exactly. I have original characters. Right, exactly. Double dribble playoff edition is still a five-on-five five simulation basketball game, if you want to call it simulation. Um, but it's there's no real NBA players in it. I mean, they tried their damnedest to make guys look like Horace Grant and Michael Jordan and everything, um, but and they succeeded in some ways. But at the same time, just give us those fake teams and those fake players and make that be the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's again one of those things they did back in the day, just slapping a popular celebrity, popular athlete into a game and and trying to to sell it that way. It's uh, yeah, and even when when it was just that player and fictional players, yeah, you miss the rest of the league because that that was the that was the appeal. But uh, thank you to uh, to Trent Sister underscore Jedi for that question. Uh, obviously, yes, probably not really our cup of tea as far as uh, the new legacy game, Space Jam new legacy game. But, but you know, it did lead us to reminisce about some other uh, weird and wonderful games. Yeah, let's put it this way. There is a 0% chance that I'm buying that game. Okay. Uh, if, if, they, if it's for free, I'm not playing it. So if that answers your question, Trent. Could, I'm sorry, it's so <laughs> you, could, you couldn't pay Derek to play it. Basically, you could try to PayPal me and say, listen, I'll give you 50 bucks and if you just play this game and I'm not going to play it. So thank you once again for the questions. That being said, that has brought us to the end of episode number 382 of the NLC podcast. We hope you enjoyed tuning in and listening to us talk about basketball video games, past and present. The NLC podcast comes out every week on Sundays on the NLSC, which is mv-live.com, of course. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, to name just a few. On those platforms, search for NLC podcast, look for our logo, that will be us. And as always, feel free to leave us a hopefully positive review on Apple Podcasts. And since we are wrapping up here, Derek, where can everyone find you on socials and any other final words or announcements this week? Uh, first off, um, we definitely plan on recording Holding Court with D for Three episode 19 tomorrow. Uh, that's the hope if, if our schedules line up and, and Andrew has enough sleep in him um, in order to, have, to be able to uh, be available for it. Uh, we definitely are separated by quite a bit of a time difference 15 hours um, or so yeah 
Yeah, but we, we definitely try to make it work, and we've done a pretty good job of making this podcast podcast work and whatnot. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Holding Court with D for Free, it's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, CLNS Media, Amazon Audible, etc. Um, keep an eye on my YouTube. Um, I've definitely been uploading, as and the NLSC unit. YouTube uh, because we've been uploading a lot of gameplay videos, online head-to-head videos, um, clashes between uh, members of the NLSC community, uh, etc. Um, go watch those highlights. Uh, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch, a lot of good things happening, a lot of mods. So definitely check that out. Um, follow me on Twitter at D4384, where I'm the most active. Uh, my gaming channel on Twitter at D4G. Uh, and um, a team member over on the NLSC posting a lot of content lately, so get at me on there. Uh, my name on the NLSC is D4 three, and I'm also on Instagram, D4384. Definitely connect with Derek. And me, of course, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC's social media handles are the NLSC on both Facebook and Twitter. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Center. And of course, keep it luck to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that is all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>